That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Okay, I'm going to start now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very spooky Halloween bonus episode. So spooky. We're all going. Oh, my God. Did you guys just hear that? (laughs) There's there's just a ghost on this podcast. What the heck? (laughs) Also, as you may have been able to hear, this is a very scary episode. And by that, I mean that I'm here with Scary Clay and Scary Peyton. Uh, Double scary. The, The Scary Marys. (laughs) <laughs> that's what they call us <laughs> here to talk about scary potter <laughs> all right and y'all may have noticed that our theme song was a little different because this is a bonus episode and so i used our super sexy bonus episode song <gasps> if you want to hear more of the same sign up for our patreon that's all i'm saying especially because we've been reading chamber of secrets i've been feeling the scary harry like really deeply like chamber of secrets is i think like probably like the most consistently spooky one Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. not a whole lot of like heartwarming moments there's like ghost life and like snakes abound and and it's just very spooky so i want to just chit chat a little bit about um the harry potter books and the movies and especially the first three and like, are they scary? How are they scary? Scary Potter. Well, I think the third one is the scariest, just judging from the the criminal reform system they have going on in the in the <laughs> wizarding world. Oh yeah, and, that's alarming. And the fact that an innocent man went to Azkaban twelve years of it. <laughs> Azkaban. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that one's scary. So that's like an adult. That's adult scary. Because when <laughs> yeah. I was a kid, I was like, oh, but I- yeah, the dementors are definitely like existential scary. Like, mm-hmm. what would what would my existence be like if something sucked my soul out of my body? Yeah, I'm getting a pretty good I idea of that right it. now. <laughs> <laughs> with with COVID, time. I was going to say elaborate. <laughs> Yeah, no, just, you know, with gestures wildly. (laughs) I I have a pretty good idea, I think, of what it's like to live, you know, when there are dementors around, I think. I can't speak for y'all, but, you know. Patrolling the streets. I'm getting getting an idea. I'm getting an idea. (laughs) See, I feel like the problem with 2020 is that, like, I definitely have a soul, and therefore everything that's happening in the world right now really bothers me. Yeah. (laughs) The soul, you can't, your soul can't be crushed if you don't have a soul. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I guess that means I still have a soul then, if I'm feeling it. We're yeah. all doomed. Yeah. The Dementor's Kiss would be like sweet relief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a 2020 mood right there. Yeah. Um, I can already see Christina turning that into a tweet <laughs> for the restricted section Twitter. Oh my God. At Restricted Pod. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if either of you guys have been to the Wizarding World amusement parks in, I think it's Universal Studios. Yeah. When you go on the ride in Hogwarts, there's this whole section where you like fly through like in the Forbidden Forest and there are Dementors everywhere. And they like the way the ride moves you, you get like right up in their face and they're these huge creatures. And it was legitimately 
it was really scary. I I like legitimate. I just I closed my eyes during it because I was like the dementors are like the thing that I would for sure fear. Like when okay, the thing in, in Prisoner of Azkaban when his dementor or his bogger turns into a dementor, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that exactly, Harry. You're not crazy. That it's is my valid. What you fear is fear itself. Oh, Lupin. Oh, <laughs> God, I love him. Um, uh, moment of silence. Well, he's not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Because um, <laughs> we haven't, you know, we're, true, we're, true. we also, haven't even said, met him yet in our reading of it. When you said moment of silence, I burped really quietly. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Such disrespect. So when y'all were kids, when you were first reading these, I think we were all like kids, right? When mm-hmm. we read these for the first time. Or you I were was, you were in high school. <laughs> uh, I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So but that's I was not that very, much I was older. very I was very young. I was in elementary school when I was seeing the movies because I would see them whenever oh, they okay. came out in the theaters. So do, I was when, still little when you were first like reading or watching these. Do y'all remember them being scary to you as a kid? I definitely remember the books being scary. I feel like really the first element that was really scary to me was Voldemort being on the back of Coral's head. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's disarming. That'll because get you. there's no way to picture that where it's like childishly cute. Oh there's no. <laughs> there's no way to do it. I feel like that's the Heavens first like, no. even the troll part, it, trolls are still kind of troll! even in, in the dungeon. <laughs> I invited you here just for the sound effects. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Trolls, even though there certainly have been movies and books that depicted them in a really, really scary way, like trolls, I feel like are still kind of a kid's version of a big scary monster. They're not. Yeah, I'm also thinking about spoiler alert, Mary Clay. We meet some trolls in The Hobbit, and those are kind of funny too. Honestly, even though. Oh we- yeah. Even though we're, like, afraid of them, like, they might beat us up, just like the one in Harry Potter, they're still not really that threatening. Yeah, they're always a little uh, slow, both physically and mentally, so... Also the troll dolls, also the troll movie. Yeah. <laughs> also the trolls on the internet. Internet trolls, also yeah, bridge trolls. So many. <laughs> What was I going to say? The question was, do you remember these being scary to you the first oh, right, when you yeah. were first viewing them? So I don't remember being scared by them, but for some reason, my mom was like really concerned because um, <laughs> I went to go see, I remember I went to go see Chamber of Secrets. I think it was Chamber of Secrets for like one of my friend's birthday parties. And uh, obviously that has, you know, Aragog and the spider scene and everything. And I think my oh, mom yeah. must have gone to see that movie another time or I don't remember. But like we were in we went to go see the movie another time as a family. And my mom like looked over to me during the spider scene. She's like, it's OK, Mary Clay. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm fine. <laughs> she <laughs> was afraid she was trying to make I think she herself was. Feel yeah. Better. <laughs> I mean, that being said, it's definitely, oh my God, that's something I have to, editing Tolkien about, I say that being said 50,000 times an episode, and I'm really trying to Mm. break myself of that verbal tick, because for me, it's a really good transition from like long rambling thought into another long rambling thought. (laughs) My transition that I use for that moment is I usually mutter Jesus Christ to myself. (laughs) For some reason, I've been noticing that. Just two ends, two ends of the segue spectrum, right there. 
<laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so about the movie specifically, I pulled up their ratings. Their oh, shit. What is it like the the a <laughs> the, like parents? Rating? Yeah, like the the like the ratings. Mm-hmm. Like the ratings. It is. Um, <laughs> it's really. I recommend to to listeners and to you both as well. If you're ever bored, go look up a um, like a kids movie on IMDb and go in the audience suggested, not not like scale of one to ten rating, but like audience level appropriateness rating because there oh. will always be like one or two during like Finding Nemo of like this like this they show murder in the first <laughs> scene and it's oh like totally God. wildly hyperbolized and you're like. Okay, all right. Murder. Speaking of murder, so just like fun little context. So the first three Harry Potter movies are rated PG for scary moments, creature violence, and mild language. Creature violence, Loki, is that slavery? Is that what we're talking about? (laughs) Maybe maybe they mean like, maybe they wanted to say like animal cruelty, but they're not actually animals. So, or like stabbing a sword through a giant snake's skull. Yeah. Or I like, I would think it also works as like the creature is violent as well. So it's not as mm. maybe mm-hmm. not as realistic or scary as a person being violent to another person. A yeah. human murdering. a human. <laughs> <laughs> You can turn to your child and go like, don't worry, Timmy, the basilisk isn't a real thing. Right. But when you Voldemort shows like, up, <laughs> men aren't real. <laughs> Fascism isn't real. <laughs> oh. Oh. Nervous laughter everywhere. Okay, uh, so so then the funny thing is that all of the rest of the movies are rated PG-13, except for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is rated PG for hmm. scary images, some violence language, and mild sensuality. Oh my god, they wish. It's not sexual, <laughs> but like, they're be making out. Mild sens- sensuality. Sensuality. That's um, the least sensual thing I've ever seen in my life. I love... <laughs> I love hearing the, especially if you watch, if you watch a show or a movie on Netflix and in apps now, they'll show up with like content warnings beforehand. And Legend of Korra has a content war- warning for self harm because, spoiler alert for Legend of Korra, a dude blows himself up in someone else at the end of the first season. Yeah. And it's not something that is like sugar coated and they're like, Oh, if you're smart, you'll know what was implied by that scene. No, you like, you actually see it happen. But like the way it's like content warning, self harm. And it's like, I mean, technically, technically. Yeah, (laughs) sure. And then, um, Lord of the Rings has content warning for, (laughs) uh, drug use. Yay! Oh wee. <laughs> wee. Um, oh, vi- uh, violence, which I understand, and then it said foul language, and I'm like, I don't. They don't ever swear in like what foul don't language? They say damn. I think damn is still a swear word. Maybe wow. I don't know. So I, I just thought that was so funny because it was drug use, and I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, none of these have content warnings for for language. Well, th- except for. Sorcerer's Stone has a language warning. I don't know That's why. That's funny. Probably because Ron says, bloody hell. 
So I think the one with the most warnings is, well, obviously Deathly Hallows. It's like sequences of intense action, violence, frightening images, brief sensuality. Brief sensuality. <laughs> so, so brief. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting that like that they were, they, there was like an obvious point that I think we all know at Goblet of Fire, it becomes like real, like scary in a real kind of way. But then mm-hmm. it's like Half-Blood Prince is just this little like, like a little yeah. bit of a break. <laughs> That's so funny that that one is PG. It's pretty scary, I think, but I think it's scary in a way that's, like, I don't know. It's like, just like the, ominous. The cave scene is pretty scary to me. Oh, that, yeah, oh, the Inferi. Yeah. yeah, the Inferi. Inferi, mm. is that right? Inferi? Yeah, I think Inferi. so. Yeah, Inferi. I guess it, I never say these things out loud, so when I finally scary. say them, it's like. Oh, you mean the knockoff. Oh, my, oh my God. What? My Siri activated. <laughs> I did not say, hey, Siri. Now it's going to activate again. That was, we got some spooky, scary skeletons here with us during this episode. (laughs) Inside our bodies. That was weird. Um, I did not activate that at all. Go back, (laughs) go back, listeners. Listen to see what I said. When I worked at the library, um, I thought it was interesting because the first three Harry Potter movies are kept in the kids, the juvenile section, and then oh. the rest of them are in the adult section. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, murder. That makes it right. no longer a kid's movie. <laughs> right. And yeah. like Voldemort coming back to life is probably one of the like, t- I wasn't like scared in like a oh, oh, kind of way, but like as mm. you're reading it, you're just like, oh my God, this is like impossible. Like That's- this is the most fucked up shit I've ever read in my life. I'm 14. That was one of, that's one of my favorite scenes to remember reading the first time was in the fourth one when they travel to the graveyard because it was like terrifying. I, that book, I was also at that point, it was like three in the morning and I had school the next day and I was still finishing (laughs) this book. Everyone else was asleep. It was super quiet in my house. So I'm just like completely into this book. You're in, like, another world. Yeah, you, like, forget that you're reading, which is the best thing ever. Um, But then also, in a scary scene, you fully feel like you're in it. And that one was just terrifying. I definitely remember that, that, like, that scene that you just described and other similar scenes having moments exactly like you where you're just kind of, like, reading and you don't, you, like, you don't realize that your, like, family has gone to bed and the house is dark and you just, like, you get so absorbed and then you kind of, like, pull out of, like, a very intense, like, sequence of scenes and it's just, like, like, everything is so empty around you, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And then you're also, like, I'm very afraid right now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but in a good way. So let's talk a little bit. Let's back it up because I don't want to spend too much time on Goblet of Fire, even though, I mean, I think it affected all of us. But let's go back to the Sorcerer's Stone because I think we've talked about it a little bit. Um, but I think that, like, w- we talked about the troll being, like, not that scary. And we talked about the Coral Voldemort part being very scary for an eight-year-old reader. Um. Um, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I just started that sentence and completely, um, completely forgot. Were there were there any other parts of that book or movie that like like affected you in like a scary way? I don't usually get scared by books. So, 
Oh, you haven't read enough like Stephen King. I know. Well, I'm literally uh, going to start reading a Steve. Uh, I got my friends and I decided that we're going to start our own little like monthly book club thing. Uh. And I was like, oh, what do you want to read for this month? And she was like, I don't know, kind of, you know, maybe something scary for Halloween and October. And she's like, I've been wanting to try some some Stephen King. And I was like, OK, cool. And I'm in a Facebook group for um, it's a. It's another podcast, but the podcast like fandom has like a bunch of other subgroups within it. And there's a book one. And I was asking like, oh, what are some recommendations for, you know, a first time Stephen King reader? And some people suggested one of his uh, short story books. Which one? That has um, Night Shift. Hang on. Sorry, I'm interested. Just a little diversion. I love scary short stories. It's not enough time for it to like really ruin you. (sighs) Right. Just a fun (laughs) little like. And sometimes it like scares you before you can, before you even realize it and then it's too late and the story's (laughs) over. (laughs) Oh, the word I was looking for was a collection of his short stories. I couldn't think of the word collection. (laughs) I wanted to say anthology, but I was like, that's not it. No, this one is night shift. What? Can I see the picture of him on the back cover? He looks young. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good um, picture. And I, has, I, I know a thing or two about Stephen King's author headshots, and the black turtleneck one is really solid. Let me see. It has... <laughs> I think we just wanted to get, like, a little taste for Stephen King, because we also didn't... His novels are very long. I do always recommend people start with Carrie, because it's just, like, so beautiful. The movie's, like, good, but it's like the writing is like so good that it, it just really like not you're like in Carrie's head the whole time and it's very stream of consciousness. I recommend it. Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> so Sorcerer's Stone, I think, is like obviously like the cutest one. It's like mm-hmm. pretty feel good. It's kind of like going home. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I want to talk about how like how much I want to spend a Halloween at Hogwarts. Oh yeah. Like, that Halloween feast looks so fun and festive and it's just like I would imagine it's like even better than trick or treating. Yeah. Cuz you have you have like so many different kinds of sweets around you and you don't have to move. You don't have to, <laughs> you know, you don't have to walk up and down your neighborhood for 10 blocks to collect it all. It's just right there in front of you. I think it would be really fun, but I would also miss wearing costumes because I fucking love wearing Halloween costumes so much. I feel like I would I would be the <laughs> I'm just imagining now the Muggleborn show up for the Halloween feast and they're all wearing costumes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like no other people are like, we don't do that. Like that you can't wear the goblin mask. That's cultural appropriation <laughs> because goblins are actually very misunderstood. Oh man, I, I am I am like a hundred percent sure that that happened. That happens at least every year to at least one of the students. At least but it's one like Muggleborn. don't tell them, just let them learn. Yeah. <laughs> um and she was gonna say something else about Halloween. Oh, and then also it's a very important um, date in the timeline of the books because that's when Hermione and Harry and Ron be- like became friends because uh, up until then they hated Hermione and it wasn't until Halloween that the troll in the dungeon <laughs> was released. And uh, 
I, I, I want to do like a Harry Potter quotes that live in my head rent free kind of a thing. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that on TikTok one day. Because <laughs> like the amount of times I'm like, <laughs> I did my waiting 12 years of it. <laughs> or um, your moaning. He was that friend. He was that friend. <laughs> You'll never know love. Oh, friendship! He's a murderer. <laughs> Stan Shunpike. Oh, yeah. Now my brain's escalating. I'm really like, we're almost done with Chamber of Secrets, so my brain is like already being like Prisoner of Azkaban because I love that story so much, and I'm yes just thinking about it and how spooky it is. And remember, there's that one kid that's only in Prisoner of Azkaban in the movies, and he's the one who's like, it's like trying to catch smoke. Yeah, it's like trying to catch smoke with your bare fingers. And it's like, who are you with your bare hands? <laughs> it's bare hands, Christina. Oh God, I'm so sorry. But also, say it, get I, it right. I maintain who is that guy? <laughs> He's ominous exposition boy. <laughs> like, why did they give him speaking lines that they could have given to like Seamus or Dean or another because character? Alfonso, I don't Quaron. Is that how you say his last name? I don't think I've ever said his name out loud. The Cor- Cormorant. No, no. It's spelled the director. C-A-U- yeah, the director, Alfonso Cuaron. Qu- yeah, that sounds right. C A U R O N. Quran. That's that's the Muslim text. Well, that guy. Let's see. Anyway, yeah, he came in and was like, "Hey, maybe we should add more than you know. Maybe we should add a black kid in here somewhere. <laughs> Do Dean something Thomas. with that. Give the speaking lines to Dean Thomas." <laughs> Uh. Okay, give me a second. I'm trying to figure out how this. I recently tweeted about pronouncing people's names right on podcasts, and so now I have to. I know. I was gonna, so I wanted to <laughs> reply to that and be like, "Are you calling me out for literally my entire podcast where no. I mispronounced everything in the Tolkien I, world?" I think it's fine to mispronounce characters' names. Yeah, it's like yeah. I listen to a lot of like history podcasts and stuff who are constantly just like, "I don't know how to pronounce this." Sorry. Hang on one second. I have a. I haven't taken a Spanish class. Okay, I will tell you now that I'm looking at the spelling of it, it's definitely Cuaron. Like Corazon. No, I hear what you're saying. I have My mouth hasn't formed words like that in years because I haven't taken a Spanish class. Cuaron. You have to like be proclaiming. Cuaron. I'm trying because my mouth is trying to form the the W sound, but also the R is in there. Don't linger Anywho, on the W. You gotta skip like right past. Quaron. Okay, well, what? I don't think that was. No, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. It's fine. Let's move on swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so we've been covering the Chamber of Secrets, as everyone knows, probably, um, which. Which, as we mentioned, is, like, pretty freaking spoopy. Like, the, I don't think there's, like, any warm moments of it. If you ask me, like, what color it was, it would be, like, like a deep basilisk green. Like, <laughs> hey, is that... That's that. I, as someone whose main color scheme in her room is a deep, dark green. It's objectively, scientifically, a cool <laughs> color. <laughs> 
And it's just like spooky. So Halloween in the Chamber of Secrets is when the Golden Trio goes to the Death Day party. So it's like arguably, I think, the spookiest Halloween in the whole series because they're Mm -hmm. surrounded by ghosts. But it's also kind of like a frat party, if you'll remember, because of the fucking headless hunt rolling in. So it's like (laughs) it's like it like looks scary, but isn't scary at the Death Day party. But then Harry hears the voice and that's like the scary thing. It's another so one that lives in my head so rent-free. Wait, I think I just heard a weird disembodied voice. <laughs> so I think about all the time how different books, different stories can use the same elements, the same scary elements, and have a completely different level of scariness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obvious in, like, kids' books about ghosts versus, like, grown Haunting of Hill House. Right, right, exactly. And I wanted to talk a bit about what you guys think makes that different so like the ghosts of the death day party well that one's a little obvious because they're at a party <laughs> so that makes it that definitely makes it more fun but like i'm thinking about even just things moving around by themselves like a poltergeisty thing like peeves kind of situation like really all of hogwarts is terrifying if you break it down and think about it oh it's a giant haunted house anytime you walk any scenes where harry is just walking by himself or only with one or two people at night they would just be terrified the whole time especially as like 11 and 12 year olds because at any point someone can talk from a picture there could just be someone talking put that light out (laughs) (laughs) there can just be things floating there can be actual ghosts i'm almost 30 years old and i live in a townhouse in the middle of a city and i still get kind of creeped out walking around my kitchen and living room when it's like nighttime and most of the lights are off yeah especially in the quiet and i'm thinking specifically about the movie the sixth sense when the mom and the kid, I don't remember any of the characters' names. It's been so long. Haley Joel Osment. Haley Joel Osment, um, yeah. And, and his and mom. And then Misha Barton. The- That's, I remember that for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're in the kitchen together. And then she, like, turns around or leaves the kitchen. And she comes back. And all of the cabinets are open. Oh, yeah. Like, within a second. And the kid is obviously hasn't moved. He's just, like, still at the, at the table. But that scene is terrifying. It's so scary. I even hate, like, I hate thinking about it. I think a lot of it is, like, the tone that's been set Mm -hmm. because I, every holiday, I I have a ritual of, like, I watch all the animated adult cartoon specials from that holiday, right? So, I've watched all of the Bob's Burgers Halloween episodes, and yesterday, I was watching the American Dad Halloween episodes, and there's that one called Poltergasm, where Francine, like, can't come. <laughs> and so, like, her, the ghost of her, like, libido starts haunting their house. And <laughs> it use, it's really funny. I recommend it. But it uses a shit ton of horror tropes, like stuff randomly, like stacking, you know, like in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses a lot of tropes, but it's, like, in the context of, like, a ridiculous animated show. So even though it's using the same, like, music and stuff, also it's, like, animated and colorful and there's, like, this right. weird alien guy and stuff. So I think contact, I think, like, knowing as the audience what they're trying to do, like, watching The Haunting of Hill House, you're like, they're trying to scare me. So, like, I'm probably going to be scared. True. I, I think the other thing is that, like, with The Haunting of Hill House, it's... I keep using that one because I don't watch a lot of horror, but I love that one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do my my plug right now, and it's The Haunting of Hill House, because <laughs> it's legitimately one of the best 
like television shows I've ever watched because it's not, you started out and you're like, oh, this is about a haunted house and it's going to be a horror TV show. But it turns into so much more than that. And it gets to a point where you're like, oh, it's not about the being scared and it's not about the ghosts and it's not about the haunted house. It's about the family and the people who were affected by it and like unraveling this mystery of what happened to the family when they were in the house. So I think that's another thing of like how things are made scary versus not scary when you have the same elements is like with Hill House, there's this huge element of mystery around it because you don't know what happened. Everything, you know, and when there's that like element of mystery, it's left up to the imagination and you can like make up like, oh my God, the ghosts like formed a coup and they murdered everyone in the house. And, <laughs> a ghost uh, like, coup? Yeah. <laughs> That's so scary. <laughs> like you can, you can come up with like terrifying things on your own. So I think when there's no, so with Harry Potter, there's no mystery. You understand that like, oh, the ghosts are literally just people who walk around the castle and you can talk to them. It like, it quote unquote like humanizes the ghosts yeah. because they're not just some you know scary person. They're it's like, like characters. Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's nearly headless Nick. We know who he is, and he's our mascot. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think that's like a, a good way to distinguish when like they're when it's going to be scary versus like oh there's just spooky elements here. Yeah, I like what you said about your imagination having to fill in the gaps because I don't know if y'all have read The Haunting of Hill House, but the show is so much more developed. I mean, it's like a 130-page book or something, so like the show is so much more developed. The show's just pretty much a different story. Yeah. But like the heard. the bones of it exist in the book, The Haunting of Hill House, but so there there's no like outright haunting of the book of the house in the book there's no ghosts really that you know of a lot of it is like what the characters are seeing and you as the reader being like what's in their head and like what is real and like is this scary or or like is this person insane basically Mm. so i think it was almost scarier like not knowing at all yeah that's also i think a shirley jackson trait because she wrote is yeah. it haunting of hill house shirley yeah. jackson thing yeah um yeah and i was gonna say that she i feel like it's probably the same in how p- some people like shirley jackson can take a completely normal thing and then make it scary they can create they, that tone mm-hmm. through the way that they write so that you take in things how they want you to take them yeah. in, whether it's scary or not yeah, like, so one example that's coming to mind right now is um, The Lottery, which is a short story yeah. or a short novel. I was, in a, I was in a play version of it, and it was just a one act. Um, but the way that she writes it, you don't really understand what's going on. And the only reason that it's like a suspenseful, anxious kind of a story is because of the reactions of the people in the story. And like it, um, and you like slowly pick up, picking up on details of like, oh, this isn't just like a normal day. And they keep talking about the lottery and doing their drawings. And like, that doesn't sound like, oh, we're going to pick names out of a hat and whoever wins, wins a prize. And did you say that was Shirley Jackson or are you talking about something else? That's Shirley Jackson, too. Shirley Jackson. I think it's Shirley Jackson. Yeah. yeah. She, I, yeah. she does that a lot. I'm thinking of... Let me double check this. What's the, what's she the one? She definitely did. What's the one? The one that... Mary, do you remember the... You're both named Mary. <laughs> do you remember the one that I read last year? I think we were talking about it because I think we both read it. Oh, um, 
we have always lived in the castle. We have always lived in the castle. That's another one where it's like, she almost never says exactly like what the big thing is. That like yeah. your your main character murdered everyone. Spoiler alert. I should probably say spoiler alert first and then say <laughs> the main this character murdered everyone. This is supposed to everyone. only have Harry Potter spoilers, spoilers in here. You're right, you're right. All spoilers all the time. I think, Mary Clay, you were talking about like the reactions are what made that so scary. And I think that mm-hmm. is part of what helps keep the Harry Potter movies so like kind of not scary is that the child acting is yeah. not good. Uh, <laughs> right? Well, I was, I was also going to say... <laughs> True. By the, it's also by the reactions of the characters around you, around Harry. And that's also kind of like a general note for the whole, because Harry, since he is new to the wizarding world, if something insane happens that a wizard does and no one around him reacts, that's kind of a clue to us that like, oh, this is just normal behavior for the wizards. Yeah. And, but if it, so the reason that like, for example, when Harry starts speaking parcel tongue, the reason we find out that's weird is because everyone has a reaction and it's like, oh, that's yeah, not good. it's like no one can explain this. Yeah. Also in Chamber of Secrets, there is a straight up possession, like a ghost possession of Ginny oh, yeah. Weasley, which right. I don't think it's ever like framed in that way, but like that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. He's not like a proper ghost, but like basically he's like the memory of someone who used to be possessing her what i it's never clear like in what way is he possessing her like is he like inhabiting her body or is he kind of like hypnotizing her we don't know yeah we never see it i mean like i'm not even talking about like the movie i don't think we see her no i um um, i imagined it to be something kind of like the imperio curse or it has like a similar effect or it acts similarly to the kind of like you curse. just like blank out and like yeah. do what you're told yeah where you're more like impressionable he, to the suggestions of others he might have been using that spell or like what he could yeah. without a wand and mm-hmm. without being a living person right i don't know <laughs> however that works so also chamber of secrets has a big scary monster slash two big scary monsters if we're counting Aragog. I can't tell still if he's a friend or foe. I mean, he's a foe <laughs> to Harry for sure. Mm. We're recording this like right after I read Arag- the Aragog chapter and it's like legit so scary. <laughs> One element that I think is just really hard to translate into either movie or book in a scary way is size. So like the size of things can be yeah really terrifying yeah when they're just massive and and bigger than you especially when they're not supposed to be like spider the spiders are probably would be so much scarier in real life than you could ever really convey exactly like there's so many um creatures like that like the troll um giants i'm just thinking about nightmares that i had as a kid and not often now but still have where it's just like something massive moving over like my house or the trees or something like that some sort of big creature yeah and that is terrifying because you can't go anywhere yeah and as like you know we're like contemporary humans just living on the east coast of the united states and like it's pretty rare for us to come across any creature that's bigger than us like there's like a horse or like a cow maybe (laughs) yeah true maybe like a bear but bears that are here are smaller than us you have to go to alaska to find bears yeah that that scene from um the revenant right leon leo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. i'm not i I haven't seen the revenant but i'm thinking of stephen king's the girl who loved tom gordon which ends with a bear dude if you can just 
Like that's the first time that I've actually been scared of possibly seeing a bear in my life. I've never been scared of bears until that moment because that scene is unreal. Like there's no getting around away from that bear. Go to Alaska. Everyone has bear mace there and the uh, the trash can's locked. I don't want to go al- there it's now. It's kind of alarming. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer want to go there. Um, no, I- what, what I'm thinking about right now is people who like go to Canada or up north or wherever where there are moose and you come across a moose and you're like, oh my God, they're, it's not just oh, like, yeah. oh, it's, it's like the size of a horse. No, they're massive. They're yeah. like dinosaur-like creatures almost in their size. And like when you see a picture of a moose to scale to another human or something, you're kind of like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. And, and people yeah. think that moose aren't that dangerous because... You're like, oh, it's just some slow lumbering creature, but apparently they're super dangerous. I've read, I think, like the same post you have where they're talking about how you're like allowed to call out of work because there's like a moose in your driveway and you like can't escape. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm going to try doing that tomorrow. We talked talked about the trolls not being that scary, even though they really would be in real life because a troll is in most of the media we've seen is pictured as like slow moving and pretty dumb. They're always depicted that way. So that kind of creature, even if it's massive, doesn't seem as scary. Yeah. There's definitely like this age old, like big and strong versus small and quick. Mm-hmm. I think maybe like the stressful part of like a human finding a creature bigger than it is like, Oh shit, I have to be like quick and smart now instead of just like <laughs> yeah. a, a cat. I can just, as a wild example, I can just throw a cat out of my closet if I need to. Wow. What a random example you came up with. What yeah, a- no cat has been pestering me during this recording at wow. all. <laughs> just one more scary element that I wrote down from the chamber of secrets. Racism. It all starts here. <laughs> oh, shit. You're getting real. I didn't know we were going to have to I know, get real. I know. Oh, jeez. So do you guys think that Chamber of Secrets is structured kind of like a horror story? Whether or not um, it's like terrifying to adults, but like the I, structure of it. I think I would say it's structured like a light horror movie only in the fact that I think a lot of horror movies also are a mystery in the sense that you're like, what's going on? And like, there are things have like, you know, action happens here and here. And then in between those sequences, you have scenes where you're gathering clues and you're trying to like, be how like, how do we undo the curse? Or like, how do we make the yeah. ghost go away? Yeah. And like, or like, oh, who, d- like who, uh, it's a, it's a whodunit basically mm-hmm, is what mm-hmm. is what Chamber of Secrets is. And, and so I would, I would say like in that sense, it's kind of like a horror movie, but I'd say it's more like a, maybe more like an Agatha Christie book, mm. you know, where it's late horror, not horror, yeah. but like light mystery with like yeah. suspense, suspense, yeah. mm-hmm. rated PG for some fantasy violence action or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I don't like scary stuff at all. My husband will agree with that. He's always trying to get me to watch scary movies and I don't want to watch them. But if someone that I know who loves story as much as I do really sells it to me, I will watch something. That's like, exactly I not- how I ended up at The Haunting of Hill House is because I'm like, I trust exactly. this writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a story that can really take you for a ride and also be unpredictable, which as I don't know if other people agree with this too, but if you're... I think an avid reader, it gets harder and harder to 
find stuff that's unpredictable because yeah, read I, a lot of stories. I like once a year I post on Facebook being like, tell me your movie or book with like the best twist. And then like it pops up in my memories and I'm like, oh God, I'm just chasing that high. I'm never going to find it again. Fight so, Club was the last one. Damn it. Damn you. Wait, um, so for real listeners, if you have any recommendations of books, movies, or TV shows with like really excellent twists, please let us know because I'm desperate. For sure. Yeah. I, I was going to say Haunting of Hill House because that had a that had a good one. That's it's so good. I bent neck lady. It. It's just like such a be- God, that fucked me up. Okay, no spoilers, <laughs> but that fucked me. Okay, for me in The Haunting of Hill House just cuz we're talking about sweet stuff. What, the one that fucked me up in like a practical way was the guy with the cane. The guy who followed Luke, right? He was like always following. Oh no, I know what you're talking about. And so like I go running, I run outside in the, in the park in next the to outside. my house and like for probably like two full months after i watched that show i would like every 10 <laughs> feet i would stop and like look behind me really abruptly <laughs> <laughs> and i still kind of like if ever i'm like out by myself and i like think of it i have to immediately check behind me so creepy so i watched um the village Oh yeah, the other night, yeah. my Chamelon, and I know a lot of people feel very strongly. You, either you watched for it for the first against. time, right? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I should clarify. I watched it for the first time, even though, like, I love the movie Signs, and I I know that M Night's thing is to have a crazy twist. Um, so I was ready for it, and he still surprised me every time. In fact, with this movie, can I? Can I spoil it? It's been like 20 years. I, the I was village. Say, I think, yeah. Okay, spoilers for the village. Skip forward 30 I guess seconds I try to do it. Hear. I'll try to do it without the spoilers, but we'll see. All right, well, um, maybe spoilers. Maybe you should skip ahead. You won't know. <laughs> um, like, I knew there was going to be a big twist, and I guessed the twist from the beginning, but only in a very general sense. Like, I knew that there weren't actual creatures out in the woods, so that is a spoiler. Um that there weren't these really these creatures that people in the town were using that to keep people in. So I knew that from the very beginning, no one verified it for me, but I was just like, that's gotta be it. Cause that's the biggest kind of twist. And so that is true, but there's still, but what else surprising, right? There's still so many surprising elements and you find that out and there's still like 45 minutes left in the movie too. So. And honestly, while we're talking about the village, I think one of like the hottest couples, mm. For sure. Absolutely. What's her, is that um, Bryce Dallas Howard Smith? Who? Yeah. Wait, which Bryce. one of those names? <laughs> which Bryce Dallas Howard. There's no Smith. Right? <laughs> Bryce Dallas Smith. Damn it. Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay, I made a pact to always get people's names right. Where's my phone? <laughs> Where the well, hell Christina's my phone? Christina's looking for her phone. My friends in high school and I, we used to have scary movie marathons. And we watched The Village at some point. And I remember the twist came and i think her i think my friend's parents were like in the room with us because they had obviously seen it before and i think they were watching us react to it and they were like isn't that good and we were kind of like that was dumb like what was the point we didn't we didn't really appreciate it and i think we were also like we were high schoolers and part of the shtick of our scary movie marathons is like we would make fun of the movies as we watched them and so i think we just like weren't you know in a good headspace to be like yeah what a great twist plus that twist is i feel like more terrifying when you become an adult like the idea of someone tricking you your whole life into living in in this place and not getting yeah. the help that you need sometimes is 
awful. Honestly, (laughs) this isn't even supposed to be a horrifying movie, but I watched the first half of The Truman Show yesterday, and that's horrifying. I was about to say The Truman Show, yeah. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like, just that concept. Oh, that god, that movie fucks me up so good. Mm -hmm. What was was something... I'm trying to think of, like, what was a good twist that, like, really got me. Let's spoil all the twists right now. Um, One book that... It's been a couple years now, so it might have, you know, it's, like like plot twist ability might have already you know run its course but um it's called we were liars yeah by e lockhart and it's ya and you're just kind of like oh this is just like a very unassuming ya novel okay and then like you get to the end and you're like oh oh damn i misread the situation a lot (laughs) (laughs) um so i would recommend that it's not it's and the thing is is that like it's not a horror book it's not a suspense book. is it like an unreliable narrator situation kind of yeah i mm-hmm. fucking love an unreliable narrator so i would suggest that christina if to you if you haven't read that before and also to listeners that was a i remember that was a good one where i was like ooh, tell us want? your favorite twist i want it please share Okay, so now just real quick, I want to talk about The Prisoner of Azkaban because I think that has some pretty classically like Halloween spoopy elements, mm-hmm. werewolves, criminals, a shrieking shack. Do, okay, did you guys like get kind of creeped out in the shrieking shack when you were reading this as a kid? Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. It's just because, like dirty and old and like there's been so much trauma there. Yeah, it's just like the memory, you know something. I think that's like part of the reason why knowing a place is haunted versus actually seeing a ghost is still scary because you're expecting it. It's like the waiting for it that can really be scary. And just, yeah, Shrieking Shack was terrifying. And I feel like you can tell like when a place has had some fucking shit go down. And I think that's, that also is the case for the haunting of Hill House is you're like, oh, this house is hurting. Mm-hmm. I specifically want to talk about my the first experience I had watching Prisoner of Azkaban because I remember it very vividly. Um, it was playing at The Bird. For listeners who are not in Richmond, The Bird is our like old historic theater. It's in this part of town called Carytown. Movies there are... It, they play movies there after they've left theaters and like before it would come to blockbuster i think there's a word for that is it called like second run or something maybe yeah yeah um and back in the day tickets used to be three dollars they're five dollars now wall so it's closed now yeah it's closed i remember when they were two (laughs) dollars and they were playing prisoner of azkaban and it was storming and it was night and my brother and dad were going and they're like does anyone want to come and I was like, no, I don't really care. And then for some reason, I was kind of like, you know what? I think I will come. And let me think. What, when was when did Prisoner of Azkaban come out? They all came out around Christmas, always. Oh, no, I mean, like, what year? Oh, I say movie. Well, Two, judging by her pink zip up, I'm going to say 2004. I was about to say 2004. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was. I got that in, from just the hoodie. I was in fourth grade. 
and I remember this like so vividly. It was pouring rain. It was storming, That's and so we walk into the theater. You know, it was nighttime. We walked into the theater, and you know, it's an old historic theater too. It's so this cool! Was, it has like an organ and like a chandelier. It's like very and this was luxurious. before the new seats. <laughs> oh my god! God, uh, god bless those new seats, though. <laughs> for real. And I remember the theater was basically empty because it was such terrible weather outside. And so we like had the whole thing to ourselves, basically. It was also like super weird how, because when they go to Hogwarts, it's also raining and pouring rain and storming during the first night during the feast when they get there. And so, and then the the frog choir is singing and, and you're like, ooh, what are these? It like immediately starts off with a much spookier vibe. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a little afraid during the Shrieking Shack scene when Ron's like, it's him, it's him, he's an Animagus, he's an Animagus. And you see the camera shows the trail of paw prints turning into footprints and then the door Oof. opens and then Sirius is standing he's there behind so the door up. and you're like, oh my god, he's a murderer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, like, it was just such a fun experience seeing that movie for the first time. I think that part of what makes that scene so scary is Ron's situation. His leg is broken. And we talked in our Aragog episode about, like, the human fear of, like, not being able to react to a scary situation, like, not being able to run or scream. And I think, like, the thought that you might not be able to run is, like, the scariest fucking thing in the world. You should have just let Scabbers go, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think it speaks to what you were saying, Christina, about sometimes those movies seem like they're just not quite as scary because the kids aren't very good at acting. <laughs> but I think it um, helps when you get like all these that, adults into a scene. Uh, and exactly. Uh, and they're all like, you did. Sorry. <laughs> um, but they're, they're also excellent actors and they do such a good job. Like Gary oh. Oldman oh. is just it, like the look, the way he so moves. Good. He like is, he's like limping when he moves. He's so thin and frail and he's like just, you can see desperation in his eyes. He's on the verge of not having a soul before the Dementors even get to him. Mm. Oh my God. My dad has always been a movie buff and so I remember when I was a kid, my dad was like, is this Gary fucking Oldman? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's fucking, <laughs> it's, it's serious, uh, serious black. black. But now as, as an adult, I've seen enough good movies in my life that I'm like, Gary fucking oh, Gary Oldman. Oldman. Yeah. God, I love him. I mean, Those this movies was are so well cast. God. Yeah, well, this movie was definitely my introduction to Alan Rickman, too. Like, Oof. for sure. Oh, what, you weren't watching Die Hard when you were... <laughs> I watched Die Hard for the first time, like, six months ago. A 10-year-old. Oh, I knew that. I was, I was like, I was like you already gave me shit. You're not Sorry. allowed to. <laughs> I, we watched them all in, like, one weekend because we were like, nice. everyone keeps making fun of us. They get worse and worse as they go, don't Oh, yeah. I mean, Alan Rickman is <laughs> definitely my favorite villain. And I love, like, the notion of being trapped somewhere. Maybe that's also what makes this Shrieking Shack so scary is knowing that someone was trapped there. So do you think the werewolf thing in Prisoner of Azkaban is scary? Or is it, like, more sad because we know it's Lupin the whole time? I think it's sad. It just, that whole situation makes me so sad because they were so close to things being perfect. And lupin is a werewolf and it ruined everything and it's just uh, it's you know, so sad for the first time ever my brain just now connected professor lupin with um the incredible hulk because especially in the marvel cinematic universe um with mark ruffalo lupin and um bruce banner are both really mild-mannered academics <laughs> 
<laughs> and then they have this like monster side. Mm-hmm. And they hate that side of themselves. And they too. hate they, it. It's embarrassing. It's like barbaric compared yeah. to their usual like scholarly selves. And they also don't, don't they both not remember anything that happens when they're in that form? Bruce Banner goes in and out of being able to control his Hulk side. And there's like a mm-hmm. point in the Marvel Cinematic Timeline where he gets like stuck that way for a couple years. And I think he's a lot more lucid. He learns to really control it. But in the beginning, I think he does kind of just like black out. Mm-hmm. I also feel like the werewolf thing never really frightened me all that much in any sort of story. I don't know why. I think it's me because it's like so fantastic. I was watching what we do in the shadows over the weekend. Probably like the most unscary werewolves. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> Go square. Sorry. They, they, yeah. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. What are we? Plus, I feel like whenever you think about whether a were—excuse me, whether a werewolf is <laughs> well, well, scary <laughs> or not, you're thinking of it in terms of yourself. So it's more like, wow, if I were a werewolf, that would be terrible, but it would be you, so you wouldn't be scared of it. I think um, that's true of all these things. If I was a ghost, I wouldn't be scared of it. If I was a vampire, true. I wouldn't be scared of it. True. I of, think a vampire who's scared of other vampires. <laughs> I will say, I think what is, I wouldn't say scary, but like it's kind of like body horror type thing is is seeing his transformation in the movie. And they did like a really good job of showing, like it looks really painful. I think and the movie definitely brings the whole process to life in a way that the books never could. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's like really, it, yeah, it looks really painful and, and like really freaky to have to go through that. Yeah, almost like, and we get a little hint of what it feels like to change bodies when the boys take the polyjuice potion. Mm-hmm. Hermione takes it too. Hers is probably a lot more painful because she yeah. didn't do it no good. Oh. But like, I think, I think, yeah, I think it, you're right. It does look really painful. I've heard the term body horror before, but I've never really looked it up. It, does it just mean what it sounds like? Like it's, it's, um, it's fucked up to think about what can be done to a human body. It's basically like the entirety of the Saw franchise. I can't, I cannot for one fucking second when those nope. movies. I never will. I have no desire. Yeah. I'm never, a Hufflepuff. Or, um, or like Final Destination. I'm a Hufflepuff, right? And like, I will watch a scary movie or read a scary book that has like a really excellent story and like a good point to it, like The Haunting of Hill House we keep using as our example. But like, I cannot just... F- Sean hosts like a scary movie night and all my friends come over to hang out with Sean and I'm, I don't like, go. Right, I'm, hi- I'm hiding in my room, usually watching Bob's Burgers to distract me from the fact that I know they're watching Human Centipede downstairs. Oh, but like, that's an- that would be another, that would be another no. body horror movies where it's just like fucking why dude yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i can't do torture and that that goes honestly a lot of horror movies use that in a big way but that goes for any movie where there's torture in it i will just not watch that scene or not watch that movie i can't handle it what do you define as torture though because my mom always had a big problem with the man in the iron mask because they keep him in like an iron mask for so long and it's that's torture for sure but it's like it's Leo DiCaprio in like an adventure movie, so it's like I had a hard time watching that. Like I did watch really? it, but I had a hard time. It's a great movie. Watching it, but it, there's not really a particular scene that I remember. You know, probably the one where they're putting it on him. But I feel like it's more acute stuff where it's just like people hurting other people just to hurt on purpose, them. like just yeah. saw just the saw yeah. movies mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I don't care. Like V for Vendetta, a lot of people love that. Uh, I read the graphic novel. I hate it. And that's actually going against what I just said, where I think it's more the acute thing, because that one's definitely over a long period of time. Have y'all read that or seen it? 
I've seen it, but I haven't read it. Okay. Well, he just, like, keeps her in a prison for, I don't even remember how long. But it's, like, to teach her to be a better person, essentially. Like, I hate that book. (laughs) So, so what about the scene where in um, one of the Deathly Hallows movies, oh, it's at the very end of the first Deathly Hallows movie, when um, Bellatrix is, like, carving the word mudblood into Hermione's wrist. That's a PG-13 situation right there. Yeah. Is that hard for you? I think what's rough there is Emma Watson's adult acting in that Her scene. Her scream in that scene actually mm. does. It's one of those, like, after I saw that movie, I had to talk to my sister about it. Like, that scene in particular and her scream, which was very real because she's, like, half crying while screaming, too, it's, which it's, I think would be It's me. very upsetting, yeah. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Yikes. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to something more cheerful. So the last note I had for Prisoner of Azkaban is I've always remembered this film specifically for having the scariest soundtrack. When I was a kid, I had all of the Harry Potter soundtracks, which is kind of nerdy because it's classical orchestral music. Nerd. But I was in the band. <laughs> orchestral? Okay. What a nerd. <laughs> I was in the band. I thought it was dope. And there's a, kind of a lot of flute action I played the flute um, you got a lot of flute action there's kind oh of a God. lot of flute action mm-hmm. in harry potter but this soundtrack was insane dude it has like the crazy like night bus music it's very like jazzy like ba-na, 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 oh, ba-na. It. the night bus music and the fucking like scary werewolf music It's crazy. It's like so scary. I found today on Spotify, I shared this with Mary Payton while we were working. I found a playlist on Spotify called Creepy Harry Potter Songs. And I'm going to post a link to it in the show notes because it's all the scariest Harry Potter songs. And I was like working and like actually kind of on edge because the music is so scary. That's awesome. So when you said the soundtracks, I can't really in particular remember anything other than the theme music. But when you described the music at each different part, like especially the night bus, I can distinctly remember how that goes. Also think the just like speaking in general about the music, it's really interesting for Prisoner of Azkaban in particular because it's still John Williams, yeah. but it sounds so different from the first two movies. Yeah. And I, think I mean, that's just like a testament to how great John Williams is that like he had the same, you know, the same material, the same, you know, story, but he put out like such vastly different like vibes i guess yeah we have talked at length before about how badass john williams is and i have plugged and i'll remind everyone now that hello from elsewhere did a really good episode about just like john williams like like film music legacy and um yeah he really can do so much and i think that his music is part of what helps keep the sorcerer's stone movie really chill is because it's like discovery like charming like i'm a wizard i don't have to be an orphan anymore like well you're always an orphan but you know what i mean like i can go somewhere and learn some stuff and i think that like the, the music is a big part of what sets the tone you guys like the music i know you can think 
of the, exactly what I'm talking about. Like when they walk into the great hall for the first time or whatever, and it's like, yeah. And even the, even the scenes that should be scary are more like he plays it. Like you're walking into an arena more than anything. Like it's like empowering, like you're ready for an event versus being scared and walking in slowly. Like it just yeah. like the music really propels you forward. So you're not, I feel like you're not as meek and yeah. scared. It's invigorating. Yeah. Yeah. Sound editing and music in general has like a huge play on whether or not how we were talking earlier about like, what's the difference between like when there's a ghost in a horror movie versus a ghost in Harry Potter and like, why is Harry Potter, you know, it all, it it really, it comes down to how you edit it because there, I'm sure everyone's seen the, someone did a video of like Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, but it's a teenage rom-com. I've got a really good feeling about Hogwarts. I feel it's it's the place to be tonight. Do you know what I mean? No. Enjoying your classes, Harry? That shit is hilarious. You know, and so, like, it all comes down to, like, how you edit it and the music you put behind it and, or rather, like, um, the silence, because sometimes, that's also even scarier sometimes. That's what I was, is yeah. No sound. Like in, um, have you guys seen Mother... No. I've not. I've uh, I've I've been recommended that I think specifically for like sound editing it's, reasons. It's a lot, and some people I know that are like easily startled and overwhelmed have a really hard time with it. But I don't like horror. But I thought it was a good movie. There's one tra- really traumatic scene, and if you want to watch this movie, just like hit me up, and I'll tell you what the traumatic scene is, and you don't have to watch it because that's how I got through it. But it has no music, and the whole soundtrack is really intense, intimate noises of basically like Jennifer Lawrence just like scrubbing the dishes, or like you're, she's like running around the house, and it's like, and that's it's all that's all there is. It's it's very it's like sensory overload. I feel like silence can make a scene scarier for sure because like I talked about the that scene in Sixth Sense earlier, and a lot of Sixth Sense is just. either silence or like one ominous note played and just the same kind of scene can happen with music or noise in general and Mm -hmm. you have that same scene just in silence i think from a lot of things even not scary stuff and it would just be so much more awkward and scary yeah yeah well if you guys are down i have a couple just like rapid fire like questions just like some fun, just some cues. Um, and like for these, let's use like the whole book series. So like say anything you want to from like the whole, any of the books or movies. So which character is the scariest character? Umbridge. The scariest? Yeah, because it's, it's because I can rationalize Voldemort away because he's a fictional character, but there are real life Umbridges, you know? Fucking Betsy DeVos. We have, yeah, we have several of them leading our country right now, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so that's scary in a very you mature know? way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Mary Payton? I have a hard time thinking about it now, but I know that reading the books, one of the first characters I was really scared of was actually Fenrir Greyback. He's a werewolf that kind of wants to be a werewolf, right? He, like, stays he, in werewolf Yeah, form. he's like a legend. I think that's what makes him scary is we never meet him. No, I think we do. So he's the werewolf that bit Lupin and he will mm-hmm. purposefully he, he hide out 
outside of people's houses as like a revenge plot. And the reason Lupin got bit is because there was something that happened between Fenrir Greyback and his father. And so he like hid outside Lupin's house when he was little and waited for him to turn into a werewolf so that he would turn Lupin or Remus into a werewolf. And I think he's also the one who attacks Bill Weasley in Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. He's the one I think that comes to the battle on the astronomy tower, which was like such an intense scene that wasn't really in the movie, which is so dumb. At least the fighting between the teachers and the Death Eaters. But he was someone I I think that was the first time we really saw him. And he was so scary to me at that moment. Yeah, he's definitely scary in a very like visceral kind of way. Mm hmm. So for me, I think that the scariest character, and this is like a little bit of like a, I don't know, a snobby answer, but like for me, it's like young Voldemort, like Tom Riddle is the scariest character because like, especially how hot they portray him in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, like a man who has everything, like is like so attractive and like likable and gets such good grades and was like pulled out of a shabby orphanage and like given everything he ever dreamed of, who is like, still willing to like become Voldemort that is like very scary to me like the Voldemort who opened the Chamber of Secrets and the Voldemort who like tried to get a job at Hogwarts for the wrong reasons like that's what that scares me man yeah a hot guy with bad intentions Next, what monster do you think is the scariest? And it can be like a specific monster or like a like a species. For me, it's the Dementors for sure. They are they are they're scary. They're scary. That's it. I don't have any way to elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, I honestly I think I would have to agree because they they just combine like a ghost element with like a skeletal with death. They just I feel like of all the creatures, I would most regret running into a Dementor. <laughs> For me, it's the Inferi. 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 Oh, yeah. Guy Fieri. Yeah, I think it's Inferi. Yeah. The Inferi, <laughs> because they're so mindless and they're so strong and they can like live in the water. Like they can be a lot of things and they're just like brute force and it's like human meat without being like mm-hmm. a body. It's just like, it's like the worst Zombies. kind of zombie. Yeah, yeah. And like that scene where they pull Harry down in the movies, I don't think it happens that way in the book. I don't think it's quite as dramatic, but like that is, I think maybe it's because I have like a really specific fear of drowning. I know ever, no one wants to drown, but like I, I'm like really intimidated by big bodies of water and stuff. I fucking love the ocean. I just respect it. You know what I mean? Like you can drown there for sure. And earlier today I was listening to a podcast about Titanic. So it's just on my brain right now. And I think like that scene of watching the Inferi pull him under the water just like has really stuck in my brain. I wrote down like lists of like what maybe people will answer for these questions. And I also included the basilisk. Pretty scary. For sure. Um, Especially the way that it's, like, introduced in the books. It's, like, we don't know what it is. We just know what it can do, you know? I also wrote down Fluffy and Grop, but I don't think either one of those is, like, really a scary character. Fluffy's scary, but, like, it's not as fun. He just needs to go on a walk. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like Grop is scary in size, but especially in the movies, they just show him as such a baby-looking character. He's a little bit of, like, a Hodor situation. Yeah. Oh, 
A little bit of like a Lenny from Of Mice and Men, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, what is the scariest place, like, on or in Hogwarts? Like, where do you not fucking want to find yourself? Snape's office. I was going to say <laughs> Snape's office, too. <laughs> Man, so yeah. good. Or, or Filch's office, maybe, too. I don't know. I, I Like, all I can picture of somewhere where I'd actually be scared would be walking the stairways at night. I was going to say, like, I think what spooked me the most reading it as a kid not like i am afraid right now but like things are getting tense like i feel tense right now is when he's like dipping around the school at night by himself and it's like you could run into a bad guy you could run into a teacher you could get your foot stuck in a stair and like have it ruin your fucking night definitely scary i'm surprised nobody said the forbidden forest oh it's full of giant spiders just as a reminder i was thinking more of like in the actual castle but yeah there's also too easy there's also too. Mm-hmm. the Chamber of Secrets, scary. And there's also the lake, like the depths of the lake that we see eventually. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not as worried by that because as I'm a Slytherin, I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but um, in my mind, the Slytherin dungeons have like, you're in like an aquarium and it like juts up against the lake. And so I imagine that like as a Slytherin, we would befriend the people and the, the, the creatures and stuff in the What's lake. What's up? And, you can see them outside the window. Yeah. And like we'd, we'd see the mermaids and be like, hey, how's it going, uh, never Samantha? Thought of that. <laughs> it is canon that the Slytherin common room is under the lake, but it never says, and there's a beautiful skylight full of green murky yeah. light so i yeah I, yeah i like to imagine that in the slytherin common rooms you can see everything in the lake and that it's just like ooh, like at, at first you're like oh this is kind of creepy and scary but then you're like no they're just misunderstood creatures and people who live in the lake and like everyone befriends them and that's why people think slytherin are so mean and evil besides the racism um it's because <laughs> they they're like yeah it's just yeah we talk to the kraken in the lake what's the big deal like he's a nice guy chet yeah he has four kids <laughs> and a mortgage like, a mortgage it's tough <laughs> yeah that's i hope there's something like that because the idea of them choosing to put an entire house of children underground with in a in something called the dungeons with yeah. like no windows would it's be like it's like when they were picking all the common rooms they're like and where do we pe- where do we put our least favorite people <laughs> i know I don't give a shit. dungeons under a lake <laughs> okay what's the scariest place that's not on the hogwarts grounds in the whole series I want to say, I don't remember specifically, but there's some room in the Department of Mysteries that's just like real sketch. It might be the veil room. I don't know. But like, I remember. Is it the time room? Maybe it's that one. With like the time turners and like the weird bell jar Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe. That's where we get the Death Eater baby head, which doesn't (laughs) happen in the movies. RIP. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Um, Love to have seen that. Yeah, maybe one of the rooms in the department. Because I remember them, like, they go to walk in and they're like, this ain't right. And they leave. Um, so Man, that, that whole part is so much better in the books because you see all these so different good. rooms. It's, and it's yeah, so it's, good. it's a real adventure. Ugh. And you never, she, she never answers what they are. You know, she just leaves yeah. it up to the imagination. Well, it's the Department of fucking Mysteries. I know, right? Also, I like that in the books, bear with me, I like that Hermione gets hurt in that scene because she almost never gets hurt. 
but like I like that like she 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 gets she hurt gets, and she, she gets knocked ju- out she deals with it yeah um that's another thing that lives in my head rent free is the elevator voice going department of mysteries <laughs> <laughs> I think Grimmauld Place in the books in the movies they make it creepy too but in the books it's even creepier like it's intimately creepy the only reason it it kind of loses some creepy points is because it's supposed to be creepy. Like the family that lived there wanted to be creepy. It's like it's super gothic, t- like old time yeah. gothic. Yeah. But there's like so much, that's another place where like so much stuff has happened and so much anger and hatred has lived in that house. Yeah. That- well, and it still lives there with right. Teresa's mom's picture and creature. Um, I was going to say grandma place too, because even though it's supposed to be like a, like it's like home turf, it's like art, our territory or whatever it is really creepy and the fact that there's like creatures living in it that it's like so vast and neglected that there's like a bog art in the desk and there's like pixies in the curtains or whatever like that mm-hmm. fucks me up so i was yeah i was literally i was thinking about like oh yeah in grimmauld place there's a bog art somewhere that molly has to go up and she tries to defeat and then it's a very sad scene so traumatizing book. And it literally, it just got, this is, this might be a thing that we just have to answer on another episode since we're getting towards the end now, but um, it occurred to me, do we think it's possible for your Boggart to be a Boggart? Oh, interesting. Hmm. I'll just leave it at that. I feel like your Boggart (laughs) can be a Dementor. That's the same kind of Yeah, but like, like, I'm I'm specifically thinking like, what if your greatest fear (laughs) is being is being confronted by your greatest fear, which is a Boggart. I think so, a Boggart that doesn't know what to turn into would just look like the Pokemon Ditto, like a <laughs> some silly putty, basically. So, so like, and if, and and like the way that you defeat a Boggart is by confusing it, and it like has to turn into it doesn't know like what to turn into. So I wonder if like that's how you can defeat a Boggart is if your Boggart is a Boggart. Uh, anyway just a a thought a thought for the evening while you're falling asleep at night (laughs) oh great thank you so much what would y'all's boggarts turn into i think i said earlier mine would be a dementor for me it's like the things i'm really afraid of aren't like objects or characters it's like i'm terrified of like drowning in a giant body of water and i'm terrified of being in a plane crash not the crashing part but like the going down part like i think Oof. it's like the tra- the feeling of being trapped is like what scares me so i don't know what my bog art would be a pillow across my face like <laughs> oh my god well, <laughs> i mean hermione's is failure and they found a way to to, to em- like embody it yeah to personify that which was like mcgonagall giving her a failed <laughs> paper so just before we wrap this episode up, um, these are some things that I don't want us to get into right now, but I think that maybe next Halloween or the next one, we'll do another spooky episode where we can talk about some more advanced stuff like Goblet of Fire and beyond. But here's just like a list of like some other concepts from the world of Harry Potter that are really scary <laughs> to me. Um, slavery, right? House elves, that's scary. Polyjuice potion, I'm reading actually a list from a Medium article that you can find in the show notes, but um, like Polyjuice Potion, the fact that like you could be talking to someone that you think is a person that you know and it's not, that's really scary. Memory Charms, we're reading about Lockhart right now and how he's stolen not one, but like 10 identities. Oof. So scary. 
And then, okay, that was the whole medium.com article. And then also the imperious curse. That's really terrifying in a very like advanced kind of way. Yeah. I think um, another uh, thing that's like really terrifying is what happens to Neville's parents because Oof. they, I, I don't know if it's a book quote or a movie quote, but I think Sirius says like they suffered a fate worse than death. Yeah, they were cruciate until they went crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. kind of stuff. That's like the first really like mind fucky stuff I read in my life was like the Order of the Phoenix. There's a lot of like really, really depressing, advanced, like tragic shit in that book. And I th- honestly have to mention what I think is probably the scariest element to me is that curtain that Sirius falls through. Because what the fuck is it? Because the movie the movie ruins that part because the way that that bitch writes it in the book is like he falls through it so you're not quite sure whether that's what killed him or it's Bellatrix's curse is the, mm-hmm. the vibes that I got. And then you just don't know. So like the end of that book is Harry thinking he could be alive. We don't know. He just went through this ominous curtain that looks like a portal it's so sad in the book because he yeah because bellatrix in the books just stupefies him or stuns him and he like stumbles back and falls through it but in the movie she says avada kedavra and he just like happens to fall backwards through it too but yeah in the book it's so sad because lupin comes over and is like he's gone he's like no he's just on the other side of that curtain like watch we'll we'll pull it and the narration is like he expected for Sirius to pop out at any moment and laugh and and be like oh did you miss me or you Mm -hmm. know whatever I think that, like, part of that is, like, just the movies having to spoon-feed emotions to the audience, because I think in the books, it's really easy to understand why Harry feels such a personal vendetta against Bellatrix, even though we don't know for sure how that ended. Whereas in the movies, it's like, let's give Harry a reason. The reason is Bellatrix killed Sirius. Yeah, good point. Oh, I killed Sirius Black. Oh, I killed Sirius Black. That's straight out of a horror movie. That chant, that delightful chant. <laughs> also, last scary thing on my list, Legilimens. That's scary. Don't read my thoughts. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's scary for the person reading my thoughts. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Be like, oh, welcome to my the cave inside my head. Mm. <laughs> Well, do you guys have anything else to add to our Scary Potter chat? Um, what's that right behind you, Christina? <laughs> I don't see anything in the camera, but as we all know, vampires don't show up in Zoom calls. That's right. <laughs> that sounds like a, a... Did you guys ever read the, the Treehouse mystery I knew you were going to say that. Yes, the Magic Treehouse. <laughs> yeah, Magic Treehouse, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> And it, where it would be like it was revolution on you know uh, revolutionary I can't speak. Uh huh. <laughs> a stroke. Sound it out. Sound it out. It would be like revolutionary war on a Wednesday. So they're not. So they're not the Magic Tree House. It's the Bailey School kids. No, let me. No, Magic Tree House. Magic. It's like mummies. That's uh, that's for breakfast. All right. That's Bailey School Kids. 
No, maybe there can be two. There can be two. Um, but there's um, Dinosaurs Before Dark, Mummies in the Morning, Pirates Past Noon, Night of the Ninjas. Okay, okay, no, you're right. I am conflating things. I'm The Bailey School kids are like, werewolves don't go to summer camp. Vampires don't wear polka dots. Oh, the, there's what? I definitely remember those two, actually. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Civil War on a Sunday. Twister on a tu- on Tuesday. One time my godfather and my uncle Mike got an award in eighth grade. I don't know why I remember this story really specifically, but he got an award for the quickest to respond with the wrong answer. And I've always identified with that really deeply. I'm like so quick to answer, so confident, and almost always 100% of the time wrong. And that's just something you need to know about me. And I always say, sorry, I was wrong. You guys are both muted, so no one can hear you laughing. It sounds like I'm just monologuing. (laughs) (laughs) That started out fake, but then it actually became (laughs) You guys are fucking assholes. Let's wrap this episode up. So let's move on to plugs. I would appreciate it. Let's all plug something scary because it's Halloween, and I want our listeners to have some spooky recommendations. Mary Clay, do you want to go first? I was trying to think. I was like, what's something that's not Hill House? <laughs> you can plug it. It's very objectively good. I know. I know. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like what I'm like, what TV shows or I don't know. Uh, so your plug is The Haunting of Hill House. I don't know. I guess I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Mary Clay. You can find me uh, on my podcast. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, comes out every Tuesday and I'm covering the movies, the Lord of the Rings movies right now. And it's a very fun time. And then I will plug The Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> We've it's only just, mentioned it like 15 times. I know. This episode. It's, it's become a thing for me now that I... I only rewatch it during October and it's a it's like a seasonal rewatch for me. It's been out you've rewatched it. No, October. it's been out it's been out for uh it's been out for well 2 years now but I watched it that first year and watched then it and then you rewatched it and then Yeah. So it's been it's it's happened enough that it's been a tradition. It's a pattern now. <laughs> it, I can now say this was my third annual because technically saying first annual is grammatically incorrect because I know. it has we to have did happened. At, we did it at the Book Lovers Festival and it was really <laughs> I, embarrassing to me, but um, it wasn't my choice. So I just, like a couple days ago, finished my third annual Halloween spooky season rewatch of Haunting of Hill House. And now I'm on to, I wish I could recommend, they came up with a follow-up season called Haunting of Bly Manor, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. It, it kind of takes on the same rules of American Horror Story where it's a different story, but they use a lot of the same cast, but it still kind of has like a similar premise. Cool. Um, and it's not as good so far. So I wish I could be like, oh, it's great. It's amazing. But it's definitely not as good as, as Hill House. So I mean, Hill House was just like kind that. of legendary. Oh, it was or so it's perfect. like artful, like suspense. And I'm really salty because like, I really wish I had gone one year. I had gone, you know, last year, a year before as the bent neck lady for a Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if enough people would have gotten it. But whatever. It's fine. I just go stand in a corner by myself for the whole party. And then and just tilt my head to the side. <laughs> and just stand there it's watching. Okay, she's people. haunting. Don't worry about her. <laughs> so yeah, that's my plug: haunting a pill house. <laughs> I'm Mary Payton. You can follow me on Instagram at Richmond Reads, um, and go ahead and follow me on Twitter too uh, at Crook MP. Uh, so I've got a quick 
non-scary one and then a scary one because you made me think of a scary one. But I love the author Billy Coffey. And he was an author that I sort of randomly found because I like the title of one of his books called In the Heart of the Dark Wood. This series that he has, you don't have to read them as a series. They're separate stories, but they all take place in this place, um, Mattingly, Virginia. So I like that because I am also in Virginia. This book in particular is about two kids that get lost in the wilderness outside their homes. It's a very scary, suspenseful kind of version of that story. And there's some sort of monster or creature or animal you don't really know that's kind of stalking them throughout it as well. And there's a lot of spiritual elements, spooky elements. Very, very well done. I love books that combine like that kind of like magical realism. I love that stuff. Uh, So highly recommend it or any of his books, really. I just keep going through his whole collection at this point. And then right now in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia, um, Carytown Cupcakes is having Carry Potter Week, but it's Carry Potter Month. They've been doing it all month long because they're not able to really get into it the way they've been in the past. They usually decorate their whole shop very elaborately. It's amazing. The detail they go into, it's a small little shop, but they use every inch of it and cover it in Harry Potter stuff. So this year they're not able to decorate because they're having to socially distance and they don't want a lot of people to be crowded in their store which makes sense but i have personally crowded into that store for (laughs) carry Carry potter i I have never actually gone for that reason because i like whenever i try and get a friend to go it's just always like there's just tons of people we just don't want to fuss with it you know oh my god so worth it so worth it here here's i I went there once to pick up cupcakes for Haley's birthday that somebody else had paid for so it was very easy and then one other time i went in and i accidentally got there before they opened because i was on a brandy lane mission and i was in there when no one else was there just waiting for them to put my cupcakes together and looking at their decor and i cheated and it was very nice Yeah, it's so good. I mean, their hallway back to their bathroom is all de- like it's just fully decorated. Also, their um, cupcakes are good. Their cupcakes, yeah, their cupcakes are great. They have a sorting hat where it's like all chocolate, but you bite into it and you see which color icing is on the inside, so you see which house you're going to be in. And- I'll be damned if I'm going to let a cupcake decide what house I'm in. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've had every type of sorting hat cupcake possible. <laughs> I, uh, but- there was uh, someone who did. This is like a thing on tiktok where people will be like oh this is you know whichever one of these videos shows up on your page this is your team and someone did that for the houses and was like and i I was it started i was like oh this is dumb like this and then it was like you're resourceful you're ambit and i was like oh my god it's slytherin i did it (laughs) i was like fuck yeah now i believe it this is my destiny I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. And my very scary plug today is Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> the video game. I That's played, so fun. It's yes. so fucking fun. I played it on my GameCube, which was like my childhood system. I fucking love a GameCube, dude. Come at me. <laughs> but... Luigi's Mansion is so fucking fun and it honestly like I, well I played it for the last thing maybe like four or five years ago but it like genuinely like kind of spooks you because there's like ghosts and you can't really see and like when you see them they're scared and then you get scared and it's a lot of fun that just reminded me so long story short I got my hands on a PS3 um <laughs> and I'm excited I got a secondhand copy of The Last of Us which I've only seen <laughs> oh, plays so of 
and I'm a little bit too afraid to play it myself. That's scary. Okay, so there's only a couple of video games I've played that have really scared. Like, obviously, Luigi's Mansion didn't really scare me, <laughs> but The Last of Us really scared me. And on it, I think it's zombies. I think zombies is what fucks me up because there's also this game called Thief where you're a thief and like victorian england or whatever but there's this part where you're in the sewers and there's zombies and like that part scared the shit out of me and i was like kind of baked and my husband and his friend were watching me play and i got really overwhelmed and scared because i was like doing a bad job and the zombies kept attacking me and they were watching me and they were like why aren't you playing better and i was just like i can't play anymore (laughs) i guess what i'm saying is zombies really freak me out yep Well, thanks for coming to talk about Scary Potter with me. I hope everybody has a very scary, hairy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Oh, also, it's Mary Payton's birthday. (gasps) Oh, my God. Thank you for remembering. (laughs) It was hard to remember because we don't record on the day these come out because that's not how podcasts work. Right. But it's Mary Payton's birthday. Send her a message and tell her happy fucking birthday. And you have to say it just like that, please. Just like that. Yes. Otherwise, exactly. I do not accept. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, I'm so glad I remembered. I hope you have the most beautiful of days. Thank you. The spookiest of days. Mm. Spooky, happy, like equal parts. All right. Well, bye, everybody. Happy Halloween. Woo. Bye. <laughs> the Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Khan based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. My friend just sent me this. It says, this Frodo with this Sam. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's Elijah Wood on a scooter. And then Sean Astin from Fifty First Dates. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know it was in that movie. I haven't seen it, obviously. Fifty First Dates is one of my, like, favorite it's, movies. Oh, it's so good. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like, wow. weird, weirdly. It's one of those, like, guilty pleasures. But, like, I've seen it 50 first times, probably. It's a classic, Yeah. <laughs> Like, I remember... And I love Drew Barrymore. I love Adam Sandler. I remember watching it for the first time. It was at a sleepover, and my friend's mom was like, you guys haven't... (gasps) It's time. You're going to watch it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And was like, it's such a good movie. Like, it's a classic. You have to have watched it at some point in your life. Like, the same... It's a classic of, like, our generation. It's like a Lord of the Rings. Like, the same kind of reaction. (laughs) It's got got Sean Astin in it, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same thing. (laughs) 